You're listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Hi everyone and welcome to today's edition of our CAMS Talk podcast. Um, I'm delighted to be joined today um, by my colleague, Mark Taylor. Hi, Mark. Hi, hello, Nikki. Hi, hello. We haven't had you on our podcast for a while, so it's great to have you here. No, it's been a while. We've had a bit of a break. Definitely. Um, And we have two of our service users, um, or ex-service users, I should say, with us today. Hi, Jay. Hi. How are you? (laughs) I'm good, thanks. And we have Roshni. Hi. Nice to see you, Roshni. And today, joining our conversation, we have Hope Virgo. Now, Hope is um, a mental health campaigner that I'm sure a lot of you will have heard of, um, who runs a campaign called Dump the Scales. Hope, it's lovely to have you with us today. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Um, I'm really pleased to be here and join this whole conversation. Thank you. Um, So today's conversation is... um, focusing um, on Christmas, but not just Christmas, actually, and how um, large sort of festive occasions and family gatherings can be really difficult for um, young people, especially, but for anyone that's struggling with, um, with an eating disorder. And Jay, this was your idea to do this conversation. I know it's something that you're very passionate about and that you wanted to raise awareness of. Yeah, I mean... Like from my own experience, Christmas has always been hard, I think, especially around eating. Um, And I just think it's an important conversation to have because I think a lot of people struggle with this at this time of the year, especially. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, we've brought together some people. And Mark, you used to work in uh, Cam's eating disorder team. And I I know that you're now working with young people in crisis, which obviously covers, um, covers some of the same young people. Yeah, and I think as part of the work that I've done, because I've been working with eating disorders for longer than the internet's been invented, it feels like. Uh, And I think that um, I just want to share what Jay's saying, you know, that Christmas can be a particularly difficult part of the year for young people with eating disorders specifically. And do you think especially this year, has there been, have we seen a rise in in, um, difficulties this year especially? Yeah, I'd say this year has been uh, weird in lots of different ways. And I think uh, lots of young people, particularly with eating disorders, have struggled. Um, And I think that could be down to the normal support structures not being there. Um, Routines being knocked out of kilter, social isolation and loads of things like that. And we've seen quite a few young people come through CAMS um, who've needed the additional support of the crisis team um, that are struggling around food and eating. And we're hearing from a lot of young people that Christmas is feeling quite different. with regard to the uncertainties around the government guidelines. Um, And it's really making it difficult for our young people to plan. Um, And this is what we're hearing from quite a few of our young people. There's so much uncertainty at the minute, isn't there? there? And I think things are changing every day almost. So it's it's really difficult to keep on touch, keep on top of everything, actually. Um, You know, going in and out of tears, what we can and can't do, who we can 
can and can't see. Um, and obviously, Christmas is usually an extremely busy time. And for a lot of people, Christmas is going to be very, very different this year. Um, Hope, if I can come to you, I wonder um, if if we could, you could share some thoughts about um, whether this time of year is, has been particularly difficult for you in the past. Yeah, yeah so I think... I think that as Mark said, like the added layer of complication this year with COVID is kind of amplifying a lot of those feelings around Christmas or other festivals that may have happened or haven't been able to happen as they normally would. Um, and I know for me in the past, it was it was definitely an issue. I think things around the fact that as soon as we approach December, there's this intense focus on food and socializing. And then it's this weird one where you're basically encouraged to eat as much as you can for a period of kind of five days. And then you're then encouraged to then restrict and over-exercise and kind of like, I guess in one sense, kind of purge all of that food you've had, whether that is through exercise or through dieting over the next kind of four to six weeks. And for me, that is just not a healthy, it's just not a healthy message. And it makes it really challenging. If you have had an eating disorder or you're someone who struggles with disordered kind of eating patterns, or maybe you are just kind of I guess, slightly nervous about whether you are developing an eating disorder because of that focus on food. And I think, as Mark said, like this year is just even harder because we've seen this huge level of uncertainty over the last kind of year and then kind of amplifying this whole conversation around food and exercise and the amount of people who've just been like baking things like banana bread. It's just become a bit ridiculous, if I'm honest. And going into Christmas when maybe you haven't socialized with friends or family for a really long time, you might not have, yeah, you might not feel comfortable to now eat in front of people again. You might have also got to a state in your recovery where actually this year it just feels a little bit too much to try and challenge that thinking. And then I think, again, we have seen a lot of people commenting on weight particularly and this is something that happens all the time but I think again with lockdown there's been this focus on this weight gain during lockdown and corona calories and all of this really dangerous unhelpful messaging on social media so people with eating disorders are going into this season knowing that there is this focus and there's this fear that people will maybe start to comment on weight change and dieting again and yeah for me it's, it is a really challenging time and learning to navigate that in the new kind of normal of COVID again is challenging in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I, I can say it's probably been one of the most difficult years and actually you're right. There's been such a focus the whole time has been a focus on your right exercise, diet, cooking, baking, um, and Roshni, I know that for you um, and your culture and your religion, you um, one of your big religious festivities was was affected, wasn't it, by by COVID? Yeah, so we had Diwali in October, and um, obviously, being not a major religion in the UK, um, many usual festivities that were due to occur didn't happen, and there's no, there wasn't any compensation for it. I guess with Christmas it's different um you know we've got that five-day movement time um but again the same issues that are faced at Christmas are faced um in the South Asian community as well um particularly because food is just such a massive part of our culture food is always present at celebrations it's an excuse to meet with others also 
um, and people who didn't don't join in in those occasions are almost considered antisocial. Um, and this emphasis on food makes it actually quite difficult. Um, and not eating the food can also be classed as disrespectful as well. Um, and this kind of is really juxtaposed because as well in the Indian and South Asian community, there's a massive positive view of thinness. So um, it's, you know, if someone's obese, um, it would be seen as a problem in the community, whereas weight loss is seen as really, really healthy. And so it's unlikely that a person who's lost weight would be considering suffering, um, considered suffering from an eating disorder. Um, and yeah, there's just a general lack of appreciation for this, which is just amplified in these festivities. So, yeah. So how do you navigate your way around that, that pressure? Um, I, have, I hadn't ever actually thought about the, the fact that you've just mentioned that it's, it's considered disrespectful to not yeah. participate. So that's a real added pressure on you, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I think the main bit is just don't feel pressurised. Often, you know, aunties that have been cooking for eight hours straight, all this, you know, beautiful and wonderful food. Um, but don't ever feel guilty into like having to eat that um, or feel pressured. You know, you have your own meal plan, you know what you need to do. Um, and I think it's also helpful if you have somebody within the family that knows um, how you're feeling and your fears around food and they're more aware of your needs um, and so they can help you um, and you know they can help you get away from possibly those toxic people in the family that may may make comments on you may comment on your weight um, and yeah that's that's how I think you should get about it. I think yeah I I just I sorry to jump in but I guess um from just from what you've said I think it's so it is so important to be bold and take try and take a bit of control of the day and find a way in yourself to kind of push back and set your boundaries and I know for me when I first started my recovery I found it really really difficult to do that and I think one of the reasons for that is I'm just like a massive people pleaser and I'm kind of like yeah I don't want to offend anyone like I'll just do whatever and although Christmas is obviously slightly different kind of culturally um, than festivals that you've been talking about but I think you do still feel that obligation and that pressure to kind of completely participate and then you then sit with that guilt afterwards where you're like oh should I have tried a little bit harder should I have just made myself really feel really rubbish for the day and just kind of get over it um but I guess yeah just kind of echoing that actually work out what boundaries really really work for you as an individual and whether that is in a festival or whether that's even looking ahead into January, kind of February time and thinking, actually, in these situations with other people, it's not going to help my recovery. I need to be bold and set that boundary and put that in place. And yeah, making sure that you're, you have someone, like you said, to support you in a way to do that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to reflect on from what you said is um, having people that can help steer you away from those really difficult conversations and it's so funny isn't it because in every single family and friendship group we have this one person or two people who will talk about portion sizes and dieting and weight loss and oh it's just so frustrating and like yeah I can think of so many people in my life who do that and sometimes it can feel really difficult when you're in that situation and your brain is being quite difficult and challenging and then you start to get kind of back in that cycle 
But what I think as well really helps me with that is actually briefing people beforehand to be like, actually, these are the things that I do not want to talk about over Christmas. These are the things that just won't help me in my recovery. And whether I do that or someone else does it or quite often actually just sharing something on social media, which might be a slightly passive aggressive way of doing it. But I think it gets that message out and tries, yeah, I guess, helps you to feel a little bit more heard in that place as well. Well, you say it's passive aggressive, Hope, but I think that you need to do whatever you need to do to get the message across to keep yourself safe during this period. Because speaking of someone who's never experienced an eating disorder, there's still that real pressure when you get into the Christmas period. I mean, I have relatives that prepare for months for Christmas. Now, not just about presents, but about food as well, about what's going to be cooked, what's going to be available on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. And it's almost like it's a real pressure. And it's very powerful that when you walk in and see that spread of food there that someone else has prepared and they're feeling really proud to provide this for their family, it's a real difficult thing to refuse without feeling guilty or being worried that you're going to offend someone. Now, I feel that and I don't have an eating disorder or any struggles with food. Yeah, there's so many different things to juggle, isn't there? Um, Jay, uh, I know that you've talked about um, how important it is to have that sort of ally, haven't you? Yeah, I think it's like like we've already said, it's important to have at least one person that knows that you're struggling um, because then they can help you steer the conversation away Um because when you're struggling, you don't want those conversations, but then there's that part of you that does want those conversations, and that can be quite conflicting. So I think having someone else to kind of help keep you on track as well as everyone else can be really helpful. And I think, like Mark said, like all the preparations before Christmas, like I know everyone's talking about what, yeah, what Christmas dinner's going to have in it, and like they're deciding that in like end of November, start of December, and then people are buying like biscuits and things and keeping them for Christmas. And it's just like, you're just aware of all this food. There's more food in the house. And I think that can cause a lot more anxiety because everyone's talking about it. Everyone's thinking about it. Um, and just knowing that everything's in the house um, can be quite hard. Um, I think, I think like with lots of things, I think the build up to Christmas can often be worse than the actual day itself. I think, because you're building it all up and everything's kind of overwhelming you. And then sometimes when it comes to it, I mean, it's always a really difficult day, but I think sometimes you can make it seem worse in your head. Um, like, yeah, I think Christmas Day, like, I've kind of struggled with eating since I was about 14. And I think it definitely, some years are really different. Some years, like before I had any help for it, it was kind of like an internal thing that I didn't really talk about. And I it just got inside my head. And then as I got help, um, more people were aware. And then I had like one year, I was like actually diagnosed on Christmas Eve, which was <laughs> not great. Um, so that Christmas was pretty tough. But like, I think that was very different to some because like, like we said, there's some years where I make myself eat like everyone else. And then I feel bad afterwards. And then there's been some years where I haven't and I have let the eating disorder control me. And then I felt bad for not following everyone else. So I think, it alternates each year or not alternates but it, it changes every year and um it's just knowing how to get through that so do you think uh, will it be any easier this year do you think because there's going to be less people around is it is does that take a little bit of the pressure off at all um i mean for me i think so like we never really had much of a big christmas anyway but I think, yeah, not 
not I know you can still go out for a meal but we're not this year and I think that takes some stress off because we're used to every Christmas Eve so I think that kind of takes a little bit of pressure off me um so some people might help some people in that way um but then I guess I think some people might oh it's hard eating around people and I think for me it's better in a smaller group but I think for some people it might be um some people might prefer the bigger groups and the focus is less on you and the conversation can flow better when there's more of you and I think yeah some people might have that opinion yeah I think it probably also depends a little bit maybe on how you feel you've been supported maybe I know from kind of conversations that I've had with some people like particularly with eating disorders it's how we by by restricting or whatever or whatever our eating disorder behavior goes to it's how we show that we're not that we're struggling again or we're not okay so I think a lot of it for me is actually if people understand that maybe it's been a slightly harder year you're it's easier to then adapt to a new situation for the day I think um because you do feel heard you don't feel like you have to show people that things aren't aren't 100 okay at the moment um and I think the other thing as well is just the last minute planning's probably made things slightly harder too. Like, I know for me, like we normally have a bit of a structure in place by kind of like beginning of November, but this year we haven't been able to do that. And I think as well, because people, because people want that Christmas period this year, it feels like to be so good because we've had such a bad year. I think in that sense, there's another added pressure from that, that we're trying to we're basically trying to replicate what Christmas on the telly's like so that we feel like then we've had a successful end of the year. But actually, I think for a lot of people, part of it might just be actually, do you know what, like this year, just do Christmas how we want to do it and be okay with that. Um, but I totally also get your point, Jay. It's like, it's working out, isn't it, on the day, like whether you feel like you're in that place where you can really challenge yourself and kind of push those boundaries and knowing that maybe that's a good thing to do in recovery because you don't want the eating disorder to kind of try and pull you back in. But at mm. the same time, realizing that you might not be, and not you personally, but anyone might not be in the best headspace to do that. So yeah, kind of like, yeah, working it out. And I don't feel like I have, yeah, like the complete answer to that. I think it's kind of by person by person, we'll know what, where we're at with things and what will work. But I do think with all of it, it is, it's like putting ourselves at the center of it and thinking actually, do you know what, like, if I have one year where I don't do Christmas dinner with everyone and I do my own thing, actually that's okay. As long as we come back on kind of boxing day, like back in there and kind of pushing back on that eating disorder and fighting a little bit harder, being aware that it might use that as an opportunity to try and pull us back in a bit. And actually, Hope, you. You, you said something there, which kind of just, just kind of, I, I hadn't really thought about it before, which is, there probably is even more emphasis and pressure on having a good Christmas this year because of how bad the year has been. So I don't know, I'm, I'm, I would ask, I'm, can, can I ask, does it feel that way? Because I think there is so much hype in the news, you know, even, even thinking of, you know, there's been some talk about lifting coronavirus restrictions in order that everybody can have a great Christmas. It's almost like the, 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 Christmas, there's a lot hanging on this Christmas to kind of salvage how rubbish the rest of the year has been. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just wanting to ask a question. Does that feel as if it's actually ramped up the pressure to be, to, to kind of, you know, have, have a good Christmas in the traditional way? Yeah, I, I think definitely for me it does. And from conversations that I have with people, I feel like everyone feel, everyone is feeling that pressure. And actually in my, in my family this year, um, 
there's been the most ridiculous messages sent around about how Christmas has to be 100% happy constantly throughout the day and we all need to be really joyful and it's re- it's really challenging to know what to say because I don't want to be I don't want to be really grumpy and really negative and be like, can we just take a step back and kind of chill out a little bit? Um, maybe I'll send mm. them a snapshot of this podcast so they can listen to me talking about it. But at the same time, it's it's hard to, it's hard to challenge it and hard to navigate it because it is, yeah, like you said, I think there is, yeah, in the media is not helping as well, putting that pressure on that we need to have this amazing kind of three, four days, however long it is. And mm. And it, it does, yeah, it makes it harder. And I think as well, what I have heard and people have been in contact with me about actually is for some people, they've had um, other members of their family say to them, oh, well, it's just three days. Like, just forget about your eating disorder for three days. Like, just like do whatever. And I'm like, wow, if it was as easy as that, I think we probably all would just do that. But it's it's not a, it's not a choice. It's just obviously a really serious mental illness. And if we could all choose to switch it off for Christmas, we'd probably just switch it off the entire time anyway. So yeah, it's I think, and I think that's why again, it's it's like what Roshni said. It's like we need to take ownership and kind of set those boundaries. And even though there's this additional pressure this year, just try and be really really bold in doing that and yeah finding a way to push through that kind of even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable yeah i completely agree because we do hear that a lot of people say put it to one side for christmas but for me that just demonstrates a real lack of understanding of eating disorders i mean christmas is three of the most difficult days of the year where your eating disorder is really going to be on its a game and for, th- for me, this just really emphasises that, that we need a whole load of, a real shed load of education around the more subtle ways in which the eating disorder affects people. Yeah, hence why we're doing this podcast. And I know mm. that, that our CAM service in um, Bedfordshire and Luton have produced some amazing resources that they're sharing with families and young people around um, how difficult this time of year can be and, and just giving advice and guidance. And and what's really good is they've, they've included advice and guidance from a young person, so an expert by experience and a family member as well. So I think that's really, really important. Um, Roshni, just um, going back to that sort of previous conversation, because I could see you nodding away at a lot of it. Can you, because you're going home for Christmas, aren't you, from uni, and you've got that sort of finite amount of time to spend with the family, and it's all very last minute. Can you relate to, to what everyone was saying? Yeah, no, completely, because my Christmas break is awfully short. I think I have like two weeks um, at home. And so there's a lot of pressure to be really busy in that time. And also that can be really harmful for your eating disorder behavior to not having that time just to relax. It's almost like, you know, you're going to see this person at this time, then them, then them. And then there's always going to be a focus around food because it's Christmas um and also that added pressure I think that's really good what um hope you were saying about um that pressure of having to make the most of the time and like trying not to think about the eating disorder which can almost make you think about it more so I sometimes think you know um my eating disorder has you know taken such a big chunk of my time as it is especially this year being you know when you're in isolation isolation and isolating yourself from everybody else you don't get that much social time um and this is your only time really to 
take charge and get some of your happiness back um if you can um which is super difficult um but yeah it's it will be fine I'm excited to go home um and as Jay said as well previously it's the lead up which is actually a lot worse than the actual five-day period and um, once you get to that five-day period it's really nice and it'll be nice to spend time with your family um and that's what Christmas is about isn't it so yeah, yeah definitely so what what do you what do you do to try and avoid all of you really I suppose that exposure because as you said you walk in the shops it's full of all of these you know everything is food because you've got all the adverts on the telly you've got you know how can you avoid that what do you do Jay have you got any tips or I don't know what do, what do you do I mean I kind of just avoid the shops I mean that might not be the most helpful thing to do but I think if if you're really struggling then that seems like the best thing to do I mean avoiding things isn't always the best way but I think when you're struggling that can be the the only thing you can do um I guess if I didn't avoid it, then going with someone. Um, and I think reminding yourself that it is normal, like it's normal to be around this food at Christmas. Everyone else is and that. I don't know. <laughs> it can kind of help people, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I think the food, the shopping is a really interesting one, actually, because, <clears throat> and this obviously then shows, how different eating disorders are for every single person as well was like so when I was in recovery like starting off in my recovery I used to want to go to the shops and like be in control of exactly what everyone was getting and it was yeah it was it just made me feel a little bit more able to cope with it whereas now I'm a bit more just I think I'm a bit more chilled out about having to do that food shop um also it definitely wouldn't work this year because I'm like only going back home for like the three days and yeah so it's a bit I wouldn't have time to go and do it um I think my mum would probably yeah stress her out too much if I waited until Christmas Eve to do it all um but I think for me as well it's sometimes like walking into a shop and whether it's a food shop or whether it's like I don't know I'm trying to think of other big like John Lewis or Debenhams or somewhere where there is food as well just like reminding myself and it sounds so basic and so ridiculous when I say it but like reminding myself that just because all of this food's there it doesn't mean I have to eat it it doesn't mean I have to buy it all and trying to find I guess those when I am in those shops like those other distractions as well to make sure that I can yeah I get that yeah I get that support around it if I need to or have someone that I can talk to if I suddenly feel really overwhelmed with it but it does I think it takes time and it takes time to yeah learn out learn what works best for you with what stage you're at in your recovery definitely um but I think it's it's hard isn't it and it's hard to even like just avoid like the constant advertising on the telly and stuff which is like go on a diet like do this even on like Instagram it's just as like relentless like sending you suggestions um and I think it is just sometimes just being really mindful of what we are looking at and making sure that although we're kind of trying to like diet culture is trying to bombard us left, right and center. Like actually if we're looking at a bit more diverse content on our feeds and flooding ourselves with other stuff, like that kind of thing does really, really help and helps us to just feel a little bit more, potentially a little bit more in control of it um, as well. Definitely. There's so much out there, isn't there? And does it help to, um, 
you know, if you see content that is really difficult, does it help if you try and challenge it? I know that you've got a big presence on social media, haven't you, Hope? And I, you know, I follow um, the work that you do. And I also therefore see when when things come up that are, you know, really inappropriate. I love to see how people really challenge that. And I know that's something that you do. Yeah, I think it is important. I think for me, it's like, get angry at it. Like whether that is being really vocal on social media and being getting angry at posts and things. She's obviously doing it in a non-abusive way, but getting angry and showing that frustration and venting that I think is really helpful. And then the other thing sometimes is literally just, and I sometimes wish actually that in my flat, I had this room where there was just like, cushions everywhere so I could just go into it and like scream I think sometimes I know it sounds ridiculous but sometimes I think it is like it's okay if you're really angry to maybe like punch a pillow for a couple of like for 30 seconds or something just to get that frustration out in a more healthy way than maybe then thinking oh I've seen that I'm angry about it I'm going to go and punish myself in another way with food or exercise so finding those other ways around it um and I, yeah, I think for me, that's just, it's, it's just what works for me to help me get my voice out there. But also I think sometimes with eating disorders and yeah, it just feels hard to be heard sometimes. And I'm probably, I made a joke earlier about being my post sometimes. So sharing stuff in a slightly passive aggressive way. And I'd probably say that I, I'm not always the best communicator with my feelings and my emotions and what is going on for me. And so I have had to find other ways to do that and be more vocal in other ways, which definitely helps me feel more heard at kind of slightly more challenging times of the year. Yeah, definitely. And we've all got, um, Jay, I know that you, you, your art is very much your sort of outlet, isn't it? Yeah. Roshni, do you have anything that you use as, a, as an outlet or a distraction? work probably Um, work and studying studying (laughs) that's about it (laughs) but no I was just gonna I was gonna make a comment about you know how you deal with the day um and also just about planning your day in advance um Christmas you know things can just happen randomly I think this year it's going to be easier I'm not going to get unexpected visitors at like you know a random time it will be pretty much laid out but also having that um rest time after your meal just to chill out so I don't know plan to play games with your family because I know we're talking really negatively about Christmas and eating disorders and it is really really difficult but um I think we're forgetting as well about the positives just you know just to be reminded that you're loved um and that there are people that care about you is also really important to remember and to reflect on that time of day I think it's really nice I think that's a really good point that you've raised because I know that um, reading through the, the the pack of information that our CAMS team have prepared and one of the recommendations there is, you know, not to stay sat at the table for a long time with all the sort of, you know, food sat in front of you or the remains of the food, but clear that food away, maybe play a game, don't just go and sit in front of the tech, keep active, keep busy, Um is, is that the sort of thing that you mean Roshni yeah exactly that exactly stay busy and it'll keep your mind off the food if you've got something to do constantly because that afternoon I know Christmas afternoon in my house it drags on you're kind of just sat there lazing around on the sofa or we're just sat at the table for hours um it's just nice to you know move away from the table go into the living room do something different and just remind yourself 
you know values of Christmas as well family and hope and joy and all of that so but there is something about playing to your strengths as well and I know for me uh, if I'm having a tough time and I'm feeling challenged by something I try to find the funny side of it to try to find the humor in it now that and that really helps me to feel a bit more in control of the situation so Jay a little bird told me about something that you use in difficult situations called dining table bingo now when I heard this I thought it was brilliant are you happy to tell us a little bit more about it? Because I think if others knew about it, I think they'd find it really, really useful. Now, when I heard about it, I thought it was really quite off the wall. I haven't heard about it in any therapy manuals. And personally, I love it. It really floats my boat. So do you want to tell us more about it? Yeah, I mean, my old dietitian suggested this a few years ago. Um, and it was like, I do it with my sister. So like, find someone that kind of you're close with around the table. And we kind of wrote down like a list of things that would come up in conversation. So whether like my nan would talk about something in particular or someone would like moan about something or certain conversations would come up. And then when they happen, you like tick them off and try and like see who gets the most. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's just one of those examples of like a game you can play within a meal to keep you distracted, um, but also while enjoying the time as well without like going on your phone or doing something on your own it's something funny to do with your like sister or brother or parents or whatever um I think it's a fun little thing to do and I think whoever you do it with enjoys it too so it's not specifically around the eating disorder it's something different but um it can help keep you focused on that if the conversation gets difficult or something like that such a great idea so does everyone suddenly wonder why you and your sister are bursting out laughing and uh (laughs) yeah it's good it's good you don't don't shout snap across the table or anything (laughs) (laughs) we've always got those um that one family member that says something that's so inappropriate yeah yeah i'm i'm thinking of my one right now um so I suppose yeah that's a really great piece of advice um and if anyone if you could all give maybe one piece of advice or share something that you do that really helps you to get through um this really difficult time of year what what would it be Hope have you got something um- yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so I think my piece of advice is, well, can I have, I've got two, is that okay? Yes. I feel oh. like I've got loads, but I'm only going to do two because I don't want to be like annoying. Um, so I guess my first thing is what we talked about earlier, just that reminder to set your boundaries and to be bold in doing that. And there might be people that make you feel a little bit rubbish about it, but actually pushing back and being okay with that is really important. Um And I think within the boundary setting, making sure that like you have that distraction in place around the mealtimes. I love um, what you've just been talking about. And Jay, your tip is amazing. Um, And one that I'm literally now thinking about how I could actually take that forward into probably like so many of those really annoying meals that you have to go to. I'm like, oh, I love this. Um, But then I think within that as well, the other bit with the distraction for me is even just like going and washing up during the meal time, if I finish my meal, I need to step away from the table, but I don't want to leave the kitchen area. So going and kind of doing that washing up at the same time. 
And the final thing is something that actually someone else recommended to me about a week and a half ago, which I absolutely love. So in the kind of planning stages of Christmas, and there is definitely still time to do this, is to think about what the eating disorder will probably try and do on the day. So on the day, it might try and make us feel like we've got really bad body image. It might make us feel uncomfortably full, even if we're probably eating similar foods or amounts of food that we normally have on a day-to-day basis. And it'll probably make us feel a lot worse on Boxing Day if we had a good day and predicting what the eating disorder will do. And then on the other side of the page, writing down what your response would be to that. So what maybe it is you wake up on Christmas morning and you hate your body, you feel so self-conscious, you're panicking about the mealtime. And then actually going back to that piece of paper where you've written down the response from your kind of more well voice in that moment to say, um, it's the eating disorder, they're distorting my reality, the reality of my body is not what I'm seeing in the mirror, kind of that sort of thing. So I think taking some time out to make those predictions and then respond back to it when we are in a better headspace. Thank you, Hope. That's amazing advice. I think that's something that definitely um, would be so helpful to so many people. Um, Roshni? Um, I don't know what else to add. I think we've covered quite a bit, but I guess um, maybe not on Christmas Day itself, but in the lead up to Christmas and in other festivities and other religions and cultures, just um, consider getting together with, because obviously family and friends is a big part of these celebrations in a way that just doesn't revolve around food. Um, so going on a family walk together or just a informal drop-in in the afternoon, which, you know, with over a cup of tea um, might be just a bit easier um, to cope in this period. Great idea. And that's that's a really nice thing to do Christmas Day, isn't it? After dinner, go get out for a walk and get some fresh air and, you know, just, I know, get your dog, Jay, go out for a walk. Will you be doing that? Yeah, we always do, um, which has been really nice. And I think, um, you know, I think my, my advice, I guess, would be it'll all be about planning. I think reminding yourself that it is just a day or a couple of days and that um, in terms of planning, like if you're on a meal plan at the moment or if you're not and you're just like used to regular eating, at the, like generally, and you're trying to focus on that, like trying to remember the few days before, plan what you're going to have for breakfast and the meals that aren't as focused on in the day. Have your normal breakfast or whatever. Um, don't feel like you've got to go completely off track like set you know your boundaries but also push yourself as well don't give into it but um allow yourself those things that are comfortable for you because it is just one day um and like I know with like Roshni said with different gatherings like not centered around food like I know um when I was at school I struggled with this and I know at college next week we're having like a Christmas day and we're like that she was like, oh, we're going to dress up and we're going to do this activity and then we're going to be loads of food. And I was like, oh, God. Um, but i got to kind of remind myself that it is just one day and everyone does it and everyone's going to be joining in. And I think in the moment, I'll go along with everyone else and it'll be OK. But it's putting those things in place afterwards, which I guess I'll do on Christmas Day, too, of when I do get those thoughts afterwards and I do feel low, um, surrounding myself with people, making sure I've got activities to do and keep distracted. Um, so I don't just go home and crash um, and also not 
come home and then go, right, I'm skipping that today because you've got to stay on track. And just because you've eaten a bit more at lunch than you usually would, that you you still got to eat again later that day and you shouldn't you shouldn't compensate for what you've done because that's not healthy. And in the long like it might seem like it helps you in the moment, but in the long run you're just giving into the eating disorder and making it worse in the future. So having a contingency plan, thinking beforehand about the things that you know um, are going to get you through it, things that are going to make you feel better. Yeah. yeah. Mark, from a professional perspective. Um, yeah, I think my tip would be to uh, try not to come from the mindset that you have to do the down your own. Um, and I think it, it, my tip kind of adds into what you were saying, Roshni, and also what you'd said, Jay. That if there's a member of your family that just gets it, then recruit that person. Pull them on side with you. Um, set up some way of communicating with them that uh, will go under the radar, that doesn't draw attention to you. And uh, see if you can set up a plan between yourselves that will give you a bit of a breather, um, such as go for a walk or maybe tidy up. Anything that doesn't make you feel focused on by the family or anybody else that's there. And use humour if you're able to. Thanks. That's so important, isn't it? Having the right people around you. And they don't have to necessarily be in the house. You know, they can be on the other end of the phone. You know, we've all, we're all experts now, aren't we, on these virtual platforms? You know, um, sneak off and have a bit of a Zoom call with somebody if you know that's, that's what's going to get you through the day. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important because I think lots of people struggle at this time, whether it's eating disorders or mental health generally, with those periods of days, there are not usually services running. So reminding yourself what support is there, because there's always something going on. Like there's always crisis are often on, or um, you might not be able to contact your therapist, but finding out who you could go to when you feel like you would need that. Because I remember in the past feeling like I've got to, like after having intense support, like, before and then being like oh we're shut now for three days it's like oh my god how am I going to cope but you will cope and you will get through it but remind yourself what support is there helplines are still open and familiarize yourself with what is there beforehand so then if you do reach that point you've got it to access yeah Great, great point to raise. And and obviously, we've got the NHS 111 crisis line that's available. If you dial option two, that is um, dedicated towards children and young people. And that's a 24-7, 365 days a year, that service is available. Um, and obviously, we can put some details at the end of this podcast, which provide other um, services which are there for children, young people and adults that, that find this time of year really difficult. Thank you so much, everyone. This has been such um, an interesting, inspiring and informative conversation. Um, and difficult, I know, a difficult conversation as well. Um, but thank you so much to you all for being a part of it. Um, thank you, Hope. Thanks so much for having me on. I've, I've absolutely loved it. And yeah, I've got some great new tips and advice as well. <laughs> you guys to also help me navigate my season too, which is awesome. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you, Roshni. It's Hi, lovely to you. see you. 
Thank you. Jay, thank you so much. That's all right. Thank you. And Mark, nice to have you back as a co-host again. And Ashling, thank you so much, as always, for your um, behind-the-scenes technical support. Um, so I'd just like to say to everyone, um, stay safe, take care, look after yourselves, um, and don't be afraid to ask for help if you need it. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Cam's Talk a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.